All right. Hello there. And thank you for joining us here at Lions Guide. You know, a lot of times we, we feel stuck. Sometimes, you know, we've got goals and dreams that we just can't get going for whatever reason. We don't, maybe we know why, maybe we don't know why. You know, one of my favorite quotes from Les Brown is it's the start that stops people. And that's what we're going to talk about today with my guest, who's an author and po fellow podcaster, Brian Andraco. Am I saying that right? Andraco? Yeah, you close on Draco on Draco. I've heard a few ways. So yeah. <laughs> I keep wanting to say Ivan Drago if you're <laughs> so uh, if you're a Rocky fan. But uh so Brian's on, he's gonna help us today. He's he's he hosts a podcast called Just Get Started. Uh, if this is your first time here, let's do a Lions Guide podcast. Hey, welcome. Uh I'm Dale Wallace, I'm the founder of Lions Guide, and we're here to empower business owners, executives, and everyday people like you to be world-class leaders because that's what's going to get us where we want to go. We've got to lead the way. So uh, on these episodes, we you know explore the stories of our guests and the lessons they've learned so that you can leverage those insights in your own success. So Brian, hey, man, welcome to the show. Appreciate having you on and uh, give us the 30-second drill. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, Dale, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it and uh, good to chat with you again. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. The the answer today would be is way different than it would have been five or 10 years ago, which is, you know, as his life, right, to grow and, and expand and change. So, you know, I really define my life now at, by one word as a navigator and really helping navigate people to just get started um, with something kind of true to my heart. It's, it's the thing I'm going to be doing for the next 50 years of my life. And it's something that I just enjoy every day with all the things. So whether it's you mentioned the Just Get Started podcast that I've been doing for five and a half years, I've written a couple of children's books. And have some more books on the way of a varying uh, degree, non nonfiction and uh, children's books, you know, blog, newsletter, coaching, a variety of stuff. Um, but I think it's also important to note, and I'll, I'll uh, say it right off the bat, is I also work a full time job. Um, I'm in software sales, and I still have that role. Um, and I think that's one of the things that, and hopefully, folks uh, listening into us will relate to, where there's other folks that want to start a business, but they can't just quit their job right out of the gate. And how do you build on the side? How do you get started and move forward in the right direction, but do it at the pace that works for you and your lifestyle? So I think that's important to maybe to say right up front. Um, so folks don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not spending 60 hours a week on just get started. I'm actually building it while working a full-time job, while being a single dad and uh, doing some other stuff. So hopefully that, uh, that gives a little context early on. Yeah. Well, now we'll definitely jump into that because I mean, that's a, that's a similar story of my own when I first started my own first business and it's something I come across a lot of people today. And I know we're going to, we're really going to dig into that because a lot of people are like, they've got every single reason why they can't get started, but if they would just do a little bit of fractional stuff to kind of just get going. So, um, but before all that, like where, where do you come from? Where, where are you located? How, where'd you grow up? So on and so yeah. forth. Well, what you just said there was basically my life. It was excuses, why I wasn't good enough, you know, it, those type of things. I mean, I grew up in upstate New York. Um, I'm, I would describe it as a normal childhood, right? You know, had a, I was a middle child, um, had parents, I had grandparents and cousins all around me. I mean, it was, for the most part, it was fun from what I knew. Um, but it was also lonely. And it was also, um, I, I, I didn't feel like I accomplished a ton when I think about it. Like, when I think back, like during the time I didn't know any better, but it was kind of one of those things. Um, I really didn't get maybe the most out of childhood that I hear other folks when they're like, oh, we played all these different sports and we did these vacations and travel. I didn't really have that. And I think a lot of it, cause I was very introverted and I didn't, um, feel like I fit in the people that I was around. Um, so that impacted my childhood a lot again, but it was still a normal childhood. It was still good. It was still a, 
you know, just probably everyone else can relate to it. You know, you had your summer vacations where you played with the kids in the, in the neighborhood and, you know, you did your, you know, you did your little odd jobs. I had a paper route when I started when I was 11 and, you know, I scoop ice cream when I was a teenager, like similar stuff that most folks go through. But when, when I look back at it, it's really the, um, like I said, some of those, some of the emotional things that I didn't realize impacted each and every day. Like I said, feeling like I didn't belong that really impacted kind of this next phase of my life. So yeah, I, I didn't really start changing until probably around late twenties, early thirties. I think that's when a lot of men and, and maybe it's in general, but I know just men in general talking to that, they kind of have like the, the little change in life. So for really for my upbringing, even into my twenties, it was kind of the same old small town thinking and not really um, diving into my emotions and my feelings and what that meant. I kind of just took the way I grew up, like that's how I'm going to live and you know, play that thought through the rest of my life. So a little background there. Um, I know it's a little scattered, but uh, you know, it is what it is. That's kind of, that's, that's kind of was my upbringing, if you will. So was it what you said, you didn't feel like you fit in. Was it, was it family or friends in the neighborhood or just in the school? Like where, or all of the above, like where, where do you feel like you weren't, weren't fitting in? Yeah. I think it was more on the well, family for the, for the most part, as a middle child, I just felt unloved. I felt unappreciated. Mm. I felt like I was, you know, it was kind of having, I don't, and folks out there listen, I don't know if Dale, if you, where you're at and if you're a middle child or, or, you know, what, what you're only if, child, only child. Okay. So there you go. Um, but the folks listening, maybe that our middle children can relate. Like I had an older brother that I adored. I looked up to, and, and he was kind of everything to me. Um, uh, but it's that same thing where my dad kind of did everything with him. I thought, and then when it came to me, I was like, ah, I already did that with Nick. It's kind of almost like, yeah, let's, let's go through the, the motions with Brian. And I didn't really feel like it, he was doing things for the first time with me. Um, and then my sister came along five years later. And, uh, and then it was always like, oh, the young baby of, of the family and stuff. So I really felt like I was kind of the black sheep. I was always, uh, you know, in the corner, hidden away from everyone. Now, I didn't feel that way with all my family, um, you know, my grandparents had a really important impact on my life. And again, as didn't realize this, I'm, I'm only saying this from reflecting back and a lot of the work I've done, but as I was in it, it was kind of just, I always felt loved like by my grandmother, my mom's mom, my Nana Rowe, and, and she passed away a few years ago, but she was like my everything. And, and I did so much with her. I hung out with her a lot, spent, you know, there were summer breaks like at her house normally. Uh, but like, folks like that really impacted my life because they made me feel love. And, and there was only a handful of people in my life that I could really share emotions with. So this is another thing I realized was like, I'm a very emotional individual and I never could express that with my family. You know, growing up in upstate New York and, and kind of that, you know, back in the late eighties, early nineties, like that type of uh, generation, I guess you can say, you know, we didn't say, I didn't say I loved you, but I don't even know if my dad ever told me he loved me. Right. It was kind of just implied, <laughs> you know, we, my mom and I hugged, but like most time it was, you weren't telling people you loved them. You weren't sharing your feelings. You weren't doing anything. The way you got your feelings across was shouting and arguing, right? That's what I grew up with. So it, it was, it was a very um, interesting childhood, I guess is the best word to say, because I had a lot of good times. But it was also overshadowed by a lot of loneliness and not a lot of feeling like I didn't fit in, you know. Mm. Yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing. So yeah. with regard to that, when 
you know, on your journey, especially when you shifted from feeling, you know, complacent and to, you know, awakening to more of your curiosity and exploring your imagination, like mm -hmm. it, what, what kind of kicked that off? You know, I'd like to say, I know the answer of like, there was one catalyst moment that kind of shifted everything, but I think it was just a series of events of just not feeling it was a mixture of not feeling like myself, right? Like, hey, something's off here. There's something I need to kind of figure out. But then also seeing like, what other opportunities are out there from exposing myself just a little bit. So like, as an example, I so I was, um, my former career, I was a PJ professional. I used to, I had a teaching business in Raleigh, used to teach golf. But I went, I left upstate New York to go to college in North Carolina. And that was eye-opening to me because- living down. And I know you're, you know, uh, as a veteran, like I, I lived down right around Fort Bragg in Fayetteville. And, you know, it was a different time kid from small town upstate New York going down to, you know, Fayetteville, North Carolina and, uh, and go to college. Like it was really interesting. So like those type of experiences, like going on internships every summer, you know, across the country to different, uh, golf clubs and like just being around different people that started to expose me of like, wait a minute, what, what am I missing here? Maybe I don't, I don't know the whole story. Um, and it, it was, there was a lot of things. I mean, it was, it was really probably around 2008, 2009, when a lot of things started to happen to shift me in a different direction. Uh, just some things with like job and career. And then, you know, I met my now ex-wife, but it was, you know, my, uh, my wife, who's the, the mother of our son. Um, in 2009. And just some things there started to shift my thinking. And we can go down and explore that a little bit deeper. But that was kind of it, it wasn't one cattle, you know, catalyst moment. It was a series. And there's probably 20 of them that I don't even remember of just little things that happen that that start giving me a different spark um, to think in a different light. Yeah. And, and I guess what were what were some of those kind of like key learnings. So now you're kind of out of small town America, you're in an environment where it's got a diversity of different people, different ideas. Like what are some key things that you were starting to kind of learn, like, and kind of have like mind mindset shifts around, or I guess, what were you, what were you learning that you hadn't learned before or seen before? Well, I think one of the things was when growing up, it, it was the get a nice job, move your way up the ranks right? The, the whole Steve Jobs quote, don't bank in any walls kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's how I thought life was get a good job, get a good family, stay safe, that type of thing. And what I started to realize, and a lot of this came from a lot. So I did um, three of my four internships at college were at private golf clubs. And what I started to realize as and and I enjoy, you know, I, you know, I could be a, even though I'm introverted, like some, a lot of people think I'm extroverted, which I'm I'm not, maybe I am in some capacity, but like, I just, I'm very curious to talk to people, especially what I would consider elders, you know, folks that have been around the block a little bit. And one of the cool things with private clubs is you get a chance to hang out with people that are considered successful, that are wealthy, that have maybe grown businesses that have done a lot of these things. And I had a lot of time, whether it was through just you know, shooting the breeze at the, at the driving range or, you know, taking their clubs, to the car, whatever it was. And you're kind of chatting with them a little bit. Cause, cause one of the things in, you know, you may relate to this too, a different stage of your life. 
like older folks actually love talking to, like they feel energized when they're around younger, um, you know, younger kids and stuff. So at this time, you know, I'm 18, 19, 20, 21. And these, you know, folks are 40, 50, 60. And it's like, wow, they really want to. So it was a nice kind of mesh. Uh, anyways, I used to have really uh, deep conversations with some of these folks just around like business and like how they think about the world and just things that I was like, wow, I never considered. I always thought I would work at the golf shop. I never considered being a member of the club, mm. you know? And when I, when I was on those internships, the whole point was to learn the golf business so that I would work at the clubs. But in my mind, it was, wait a minute, why don't I become the member of the club? Why can't I be the member of the club? And that was one of the big kind of pivotal changes, I guess you could say, as, as that experience went on. You know? So, and, and I guess, how did that change like your, your tra trajectory, I guess, right? So you're on a path like, yeah, I've got my good job. I'm just trying to work my way up. And all of a sudden now you're talking to folks that are kind of really blowing the book open for you. Cause I can relate. Right. And I come from a small town too and I get it right. Everyone's blue collar. Where are you going to work? Like it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's that. And then you kind of get exposed to different personalities, ideas, you know, opportunities even. So, you know, what did that do? Right. So where did that kind of, where were you going and where did that take you once you started to kind of unlock some of this mindset? Well, I where it took me was realizing, and again, I'd like to say that, oh, I had this all figured out back in, you know, 2007, eight, whatever, but I didn't. But where it took me was away from the green grass side of golf, which is for folks that aren't in the business, like green grass is like being a head golf professional or, you know, those type of jobs to being a teaching professional where I was kind of an independent contractor. I ran my own business. And I never thought of it really like that until, you know, like a handful of years ago, looking back, I'm like, oh, that's, I was, yeah, I was running my own business. I was an independent contractor, even though like I had some jobs, like at a driving range, but then I was able to, I was doing my teaching on my own through my Andrico golf instruction. Uh, so like it was realizing, cause it, this goes back to just to kind of parse this together. One of the jobs I had, which I loved growing up was being a paper carrier, right? I did that for six years. And what I loved about it was the solitude. So here's a kid that I didn't like being alone. I felt alone. I felt like I, you know, people were not, but when I was out there delivering papers at like five 30 in the morning, knowing around, it was kind of a weird, eerie, like, it's just me. And I kind of look back on that and I'm like, oh, wow, that actually really was one of those things like, okay, this has been a pattern throughout my life. I actually like, I like doing this stuff. Like, I, I don't mind doing it on my own. I, I, I can, I'm cut from a different cloth. I don't like, I, I wasn't great in school because I didn't like doing the homework. I didn't, you know, things like that. Um, and anyway, so that's what the trajectory was like, okay, I'm gonna go teach golf. And then I had like an opportunity to like manage a driving range. So I like started a business as a as management company to manage driving range. So instead of just like being an employee there, I decided to start a management company and then get a management fee to do it. So like I thought of a different way to do it than just kind of the normal structure that you would. Just because I didn't like, I, I was like, I'm always been against the grain type person. I just never accepted that I was until, you know, maybe into my mid to late twenties. So do you think, was it a bit of a surprise to you then, you know, being kind of introverted and, you know, enjoying time yourself, but it sounds like though you're, you're working with people though, is it kind of like you wanted your own independence, but you didn't mind kind of serving others, so to speak? Yeah, that's probably a good way to put it because that's actually one of the, you know, the catalyst to 
the whole just get started mission is helping others. You know, when I was teaching golf, that's what I was doing. I was coaching and helping others to improve their golf game. And it wasn't even about just golf. Sometimes they'd come to me and they're getting divorced or they're having issues with their kids and they're, I'm almost like a partial therapist, you know? So it's, it was, it was a way to help people. So yeah, I, that's why I love teaching. And even when I managed the driving range, I was still teaching 20, 25 hours a week. And I'd have some staff that was helping at the range, but because I love being out there and actually teaching folks. That was one of the things I missed when I actually left the golf industry was the teaching aspect, the, the actual like being around those people and, um, and having those conversations, having those friendships that I built. So yeah, I've always enjoyed that, but it's, it's more of the, maybe just not liking authority. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's a rift, you know, thinking about it now is like, maybe that's a rift with, you know, my dad and I not liking the authority my dad had and wanting to buck that, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. So in, in one of you, I heard you say that, you know, you're, you're, you define yourself as a, as a navigator, right? And you say you're North stars to help, you know, others just get started. So, so what does that mean? Where did that come from? How did, how did, how did you get started on this stuff? Well, so and I'll, I'll give credit to my mentor, Rich Keller, who helped me kind of define my one word um, as a navigator a couple of years ago, because he really got me to understand that, you know, what you do is not who you are, but who you are should drive what you do. So being a navigator, that can be a lot of things. Again, that's the podcast, the books. It wasn't just, you know, because what's the normal thing? You go to a cocktail party. It's like, oh, what do you do? What's the answer? Right. In the past, it was, oh, I'm in software sales or whatever. Someone would be like, I'm a VP here. But being a navigator gives me a kind of a breath to say, hey, there's a lot of different ways I could help people. Mm -hmm. And this is what I choose to do. You know, I choose to do the podcast today. Maybe I'll do it for 20 years. I don't know. Right. I choose to write books now. Maybe it's something else down the road. But there's a lot of different avenues to it. Um, so yeah, for me, it was really looking back and, and again, the, the teaching uh, golf was one aspect of that of like, okay, what are some of these things I've always enjoyed helping people? I've always enjoyed kind of being around and, and being that kind of that servant leader, if you will. This even goes back to like when I was in sales, like helping the younger sales reps, like giving them some tips. And, and, and now part of that, there's probably some selfishness in there of like that gave me you know, because again, I didn't have that attention. I had some neediness as a kid. So partially I look and like, okay, maybe there's some selfishness there as well of, I wanted that like, Hey, people were appreciating what I was doing. Right. You know? So anyways, that was the, the kind of the catalyst to say, Hey, just get started. This is kind of the, um, the Avenue forward. Now how just get started. If, if you want to know how that got started, it's kind of a funny story is like, I, um, well, we, we're on a long form podcast. Let me go, let me go way back here. So if we talked 10 years ago, I would have never said I want to do a podcast. And, you know, I didn't even listen to podcasts. I don't think 10 years ago, maybe, but I had a, um, I had a teacher in high school, Larry Hines, Mr. Hines. And I'll never forget we're in, this is public speaking class. And he pulled me aside. I was about ready to leave the classroom. He kind of, one of those, like he put his arm out to stop me. And he said, I'll never forget, I'm, 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 I get chills every time I think about it, is he said, hey, Brian, you have great pitch and tone. You should be on radio someday. Now, again, imagine this kid, no confidence, like scared to talk to girls, all this stuff. Like, you know, this is like the, the scared Brian back in high school and, and prior. And he says this to me, and I never forgot that. And what was interesting was probably, I mean, I don't have exact number, 10, 12, 
you know, a couple dozen times, maybe like randomly I'll be, I remember one time I was in an airport and I was at like an airport bar having lunch or whatever. And there was a couple next to me. I struck up a conversation and they said like, wow, you got a tremendous voice. Like, do you radio? But anyways, it just kept saying that over and over again. And, you know, partly of that environment, that upbringing, right. Instilled in me this whole idea of like, well, maybe, maybe I could do something like that. So when podcasting started to become a little more popular and kind of the mid last decade, right. And I started to listen to them. I said, man, I would love to start a podcast. Well, what was I going to talk about? Right. I thought about, you know, I'm a big 49ers fan. Okay. I mean, I'll talk about golf, like all these things. And then the idea hit me was, well, wait a minute. I've been trying to start a podcast for two years. I won't, I can go deep into that story, but we'll just save it from this fact of, I said to in 2015, I was going to start one. I didn't start it until 2017. And I said, wait a minute, I've been struggling to start. And I've been struggling to start with a lot of things. Maybe there's other people out there just like me that are struggling and need help. Well, why don't, if I just have a little courage to put myself out there and share that message, that journey, and bring people on that have gone through that themselves, maybe I can help people. And that's how Just Get Started. It started with the podcast, was started back in the fall of 2017. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, think about now, it's crazy. It's been five and a half years, but uh, that's how Just Get Started was born. Yeah, that would some of your, you, so what, what were some of your, you know, challenges in getting that rolling? Like what, you know, and I guess, you, you know, you certainly, what limiting beliefs, I guess, did you have to kind of, overcome at that point right so you talked about having a little bit of courage like you know what's you know do you reflect on you know how much you grew just in you know taking that on you know taking taking having the courage to kind of get started and kind of start to go against the grain maybe of what you were how you're brought up what the expectations were i don't think i thought about it as much then as i do now like looking back you know it's always we can connect the dots looking back a little bit easier but and, and I wish, I mean, one of the things I, I really wish I journaled more back then and I had those notes of how I felt, mm. uh, that would, that would be cool. But so I only can go on memory, which, you know, we sometimes is fleeting as we get older. Um, but I will say it, it was many, and this goes back to, and hopefully everyone listening in kind of can relate to this is like, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, we hear that there's no such thing as an overnight success. There's no, no such thing as overnight change either. Mm. And I mean, this started, I'll, I'll go back. This started really in like, you know, 2009, I talk and, and, you know, again, my ex-wife now, but like she was a very influential early on in terms of me leaving the golf industry and changing. I give her a lot of credit for helping me kind of think through and she was older. So she had some different career skills and those type of things. And, and so she gave me some good advice there, but even like my brother, I was in a shit ton of debt. And like even my brother gifting me the total money makeover by Dave Ramsey back in mm. 2009, that was a, that was a big moment of like thinking differently. Cause I had really poor money management. I was not only broken in debt, I didn't know how to manage money when I got it. And that was like a huge, you know, kind of change moment. So it was all these little, it was, I, uh, you know, who Gary Vaynerchuk is, I'm sure, I'm, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people listen to know Gary, he's been around for the block for a while. Like I remember in two, this is 2011. This is early YouTube. If you think about it, YouTube was only out for a couple of years. Uh, I watched a keynote. I think it was the, the Inc 500 keynote. He had two, I think that, that year, but the Inc 500 keynote that he did. 
And that was one of those, like I talk about those moments that kind of like open your eyes. It's like taking, you watch the matrix. It's like taking the red pill. It's like, oh my God, what, what else is out there? This is amazing. Like this guy and the way he's talking and, and all these things he's exposing me to interesting, you know, it was working for my brother after I left the golf industry, he started a web development firm and like, wait a minute, my brother can start a business. Why, you know, kind of like, wait a minute, this, I'm, this is really good. This is one degree right here. This is really close to me. Why, what, this is interesting. So this is not the conventional path. So all of these little things, again, that's why I told you there's, there's 20, 30, 50, and we all have these of things that happen that are just little sparks that ultimately led to the podcast being the, the big kind of, you know, boom, if you will. But let's not forget though, and this is something I'll share is my first children's book, uh, Luke's first round of golf that was published in uh, May of two down, or 2021. I wrote most of that book when my son was born in 2012 mm. and I shelved it going back to, I still didn't have the confidence. I didn't, well, who might be a children's book author? Get out of here, right? I'm just a, I'm just a guy. I'm early in my, I think it was my first year or, or just about leaving the golf industry going into sales. Like it, it was like, I, I wasn't, no, that's not me. So I, I put it away. And I shelved it for how many years until 2019 when I pulled it back out and then I worked on it and, and finished it in 2021. So like, even when you think like, Hey, you have the ball rolling down the hill, there's still a lot of those moments that, you know, we don't feel we're confident that we don't feel we can do things. We can't accomplish things. So anyways, that's a little of the backstory of like how it all led up. And that's where eventually, and, and this is, I'll, I'll end on this and I'll, I'll shut up for a minute <laughs> is talking about the influence of my brother. And I talk about him a lot. He's, he's actually the influence of my third children's book that I've written that we're illustrating right now is I remember we're at my cousin's wedding out in California in 2017 and we're having lunch. And I said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to start that podcast. And, uh, and cause we had talked about it before. And I said, I'm going to call it just get started. What do you think? And his reaction is everything. I still joke with him today. His reaction was like, that's a good idea. Like kind of very like as a brother would do. It's not like over the top. It's just like, yeah, it's fine. But that was like everything. That was like the cherry on top of like, okay, I kind of got my brother's approval of like, cause I really respected his idea as a business owner and entrepreneur and all that. So that was like the big final, you know, kind of uh, nail in the coffin, if you will, of like, this is happening. So, yeah. Yeah. With, with a, yeah, that's okay. And you're yeah. like, boom, that's all yeah. I need. <laughs> So I don't yeah. know where we go from there, but that's a lot. I know, but that's, that's kind of the, well, you know, yes. to pick on the book thing for a minute, you know, Brian, you were saying that, you know, you shelved it for two years and you, it sounds to me like you're and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were, you're into it and you're like, I'm not, I'm not an author. Who do, who do I think I am going to write this book or whatever? I guess if that's the case, like how did you overcome that? And, and I guess, you know, what advice would you give to someone that's kind of in that same boat, whether they want to be something, but they feel like it's just, you know, too grandiose for them or who am I to think I could do that? Like what, what do you tell people when they're kind of in that same boat? Well, I, th I think, you know, first and foremost is that's all I kind of had back then. Like I was doing, again, I was working a full-time job. I was just about starting a family, right? Mary starting a family G would go out on the weekends, play golf, like just kind of a normal life, right? No, no, no. It what, what is, was it a happy life? Sure. I was probably happy, you know, but I think again, all the stuff I was sitting with still, and I had it, you know, thought through all the childhood trauma, all that stuff, you know, was, was in ingrained in me still. 
Um, so having said that, it was like the book was like just one little small project. So I didn't think I, I was like, who am I to do this again? I, th I threw it away. What started to happen though, the podcast, like just starting that gave me the confidence to say, mm -hmm. what else can I do? And remember that the, the benefit, and this is where luck comes into play. I was talking with, you know, at the time, let's say when I started to pick up that book again, let's say it was, a, I think it was the end of winter, early spring, 2019, you know, I'd been doing the podcast for two and a half years. So I had talked to, I don't remember what episode number I was on, but let's say it was episode, you know, whatever, 80 or something, hundred, whatever. I'd been doing it for that long. All these people I talk with every interview, like even when you were on, right? Like every interview you get like inspired and you get interested and you get that spark of motivation. Maybe you learn something that could help you. All those things really built me up to give me the confidence to do the book. And then it was like, I mean, it was like a waterfall, whether, you know, the second children's book, the blogs, the, every, I mean, everything, because I started like, what can I do now? It's like, I just shed this. So my advice would be realizing that it, the first thing might not be the thing, but doing that first thing is going to give you the confidence to do the second and third and fourth and so on. Right. So we might be like, ah, I'm scared to do this, but it might not turn out. It might be nothing. You might start a podcast and get no one listening. Just like mine, right? My mom was probably the first one in <laughs> the first handful of episodes, right? And even that she probably didn't even listen all the way through. So, but who cares? Because now I've done 350 of them and I love it more today than I ever have. We don't know until we actually start. So maybe that gives some, you know, some motivation to folks to say, fuck, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And who cares if it works or not? Because it might inspire the next idea. Yeah, a hundred percent. Right. Because, it, and I'm, I'm trying to answer to this without saying, just get started, <laughs> but it's like, it, it, it is that right. Like step and then you'll learn more, right? Like when you get closer to a destination, right. You're going to know if it's the right direction or not, right? If that makes sense. If you take just a step towards it or you get going towards something, you're going to learn by that effort. And from that'll be where I beat on the drum of clarity a lot. It's just going to give you clarity. Like, I love this. I don't love this. Oh, I learned a little something. I made a mistake there. I can get better at this, right? Just, but again, going back to that Les Brown quote, like it's the start that stops people. They, like you said, you just don't know. Like, and, and you're like stuck in this cage of, you know, fear of the unknown or fear of failure and judgment and all those things. But if you just start making your way towards it, it's going to bring you more clarity. And like you said, clarity brings confidence, Com confidence builds more courageous action as, as, as we say. And, and we don't know, I mean, you know, this, you know, with your business, right. Um, your first business, right. Like you don't, you, you didn't know what you had it for 20 years. How many, how many years do you have that? Mm, 15, 15 before okay. I sold it. 15 before you sold it you weren't thinking about year 15 on day one. You were just thinking about getting to day two, right? And that's all we can do. We don't know what's going to happen. We have no idea what's going to happen. And that, again, it just goes back to, I only can share my experiences, my story, the things I've learned. And hopefully other folks, they, they look at their life and where things are at and say, oh, okay, that's maybe that's something I can try. Or maybe it's a little different for me, but like, you know, again, as I mentioned, I have uh, the children's books are something cool to me because- I always love, you know, 90s rap music growing up, early 2000s, like Eminem, Tupac, all that, like love listening to that. So I have, these books are rhyming books, right? 
And there were, there were stuff I love. I love Dr. Seuss growing up. And I would love to say, oh yeah, I'm a, I, I sat and I crafted these all. No, they were on a whim. All three books, my third one that I just told you that we're the illustrating, I, hopefully I'll launch it in 2024. I literally wrote that. I couldn't fall asleep one night, woke up, pulled my notes app out, and I wrote it in an hour. Now, I certainly edited it a little bit here and there, but for the most part, the bulk of it was done literally in one night. It was just a spark of inspiration. So I didn't know, but, if, but here's how I look at it. If I didn't have all the blog posts before that, the podcast interviews, the whatever, I might have never got to that spark of creativity, mm. right? As Stephen Pressfield talks about the muse, right? It would have never came to me if I hadn't done those other things. So again, going back to the thing you create today, it might not be the thing you do the next 50 years, but it might spark something else tomorrow or the next day and keep you on that path forward because that's all that matters, right? Yeah, absolutely. The what what just kind of sidebar here, like why books, like children books, like what what got you into that? I have no idea. <laughs> I was I was I mean I almost failed English in high school. I was an English. I had to take intro to English in in college because I had I had such bad grades in high school. Like I don't know. I'm not even now. I, I caution myself because mentors and friends always beat me up when I'm like, oh, I'm not I'm not even that good of a writer or whatever. Because like, hell, Brian, no, you are. You write in your own way. Like if you read my blog, it's very like a micro blog, very short, like under two minute reads. I don't, I'm not writing like a long, you know, essay type thing. That's just not how I like to write. It's just stream of consciousness, a lot of stuff. So yeah, the children's books, I don't know. Again, I think partly it, it sparked out of that first idea, Luke's first round of golf. And that kind of idea came to me. And then, like I said, the, the second one, the magically magnificent, mysterious mind, that started, I had like one phrase in my head. I was again, it's a rhyming book. I had like one thing in my head and that kind of sparked. And then I started building on it. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And I had already had Luke's first round of golf almost done. So I said, okay, this is interesting. Let's just keep flowing with this. So I don't know. I, I might never write another children's book. I might write 20 more. I have no idea. Right. You know, I'm working on a nonfiction book right now, you know, more of kind of that down the the personal development type route. It's something, but again, it's a different project for me versus the children's books. So, you know, isn't that like what we love? Cause I've thought about this, you know, recently you, you mentioned that the Tupac, <laughs> I just finished, you see that Netflix series, like uncovered isn't one. It was like a show on USA. No. It kind of goes through the whole, so it goes through the whole Biggie and Tupac cases or whatever. It's, oh. it's kind of like a docudrama, but anyway, sorry, but it made me think of that. But, you know, I was thinking this thing again, the other day, kind of watching kind of that, which was, you know, don't we love, you know, those artists or whoever that do their own thing, right? Like, isn't that what we're admiring? Like that they have the courage to, not conform right that they're they're just choosing their own path and, and you just made me think of that and, and, and but i i often realize like it's it's the folks that just like i'm doing my thing like I, i'm not worried about how they do it or how this is what i feel this is what i like this is but those are the artists and the folks that we love the most i mean if you look at joe mm -hmm. rogan's podcast man he just mm -hmm. he has always just done his thing um you were mentioning gary v and kind of back in the days like i often tell people you know, I remember listening to Joe Rogan doing podcasts with Red Band where they were just like on a plane back from Vegas and they decided to record it <laughs> like mm -hmm. just to get just to do just because they were having a conversation. Right. Like they were just doing it to, to just do do again. I just do their own craft, their own piece of art, whatever you want to call it. They just just did it not to conform, but to, to do what they were feeling. 
you make a great point because I think if you look at it from a standpoint of like, you, you, so you can do, there's two things you can do, right? You can either copy someone. You can be like, oh, this is trendy. Let me go do that. Or you can create the new, you know, it's like Kevin Kelly talks about is like, is like be the only one, right? Don't be the best, be the only. Mm. Go ahead and figure out how do you be the only in whatever that is. So be authentically you, right? You're one of one, if you will. Right. And I think that's, a, I always, you talk about documentaries and I, listen, I know Kanye can be controversial, but go watch his documentary. The, the documentary I think came out a year, a couple of years ago now, but what was so fascinating is this guy that followed him around back in like the late nineties, early two thousands, they have so much video footage. But what I take from that is if you go listen to his first album, I think a college dropout, his first album he ever did, he released. And you listen to the other music on that time, I think it was 2004. It sounds so different. But the reason he won so many Grammys and he was so, he became so popular because he did it his own way. Hmm. He thought music, he didn't want, because like probably, and we're talking about rap music, but it could be a lot of things. I'm assuming a lot of folks in a lot of genres, right? They, they say, oh, this is working. Let me have similar beats like this, or let me write similar to this. If you, you could certainly, you can take, right. The, the, uh, imitation, right. You can say, ah, let me, let me take some of this. I like this. Just like I said, yeah, I love Eminem and Tupac and Nas and all these folks. I'm sure part of that, well, the, the language isn't in my children's books, but like <laughs> just the flow, right. I'm sure there's part of them in those books. Sure. Just because. So yes, we're always going to have that, um, with folks that inspire us. But I think yeah, to your point, you have to do it your own way. And that's the only way you're probably going to keep moving it forward too, because a lot of times you're going to stop. If you do, like, if you start a podcast on whatever, I don't know, insert whatever, it doesn't really matter. And you don't like it, how you're not going to get up for that. You know, you're not going to edit that podcast after a while. You're going to stop it. So do what you love to do. That's why I said, I, I'm like, I fell in love with the just get started podcast. Even, you know, there's been times where I'm like, God, you know, this is a lot of work again with a full-time job and stuff, but I, but now I'm like renewed with it because I'm the in conversations are so inspiring to me. And I'm like, God, I, I get to meet so many unbelievable people. This is awesome. This is exactly why I started doing it. Right. Right. So that's what keeps me going. So, uh, yeah, I was seeing some of the folks that you've had on like, who's, who's been your favorite guest you think you've had over the last five oh, years? Now you're, I got a, that's like, I'll call you <laughs> um, that's like I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll, I will sidestep your answer to not give. And I will say, you know, one of the folks that have inspired me the most in my career and really is an inspiration of my writing is Seth Godin. And I've been fortunate to have Seth on the podcast twice. Um, he's just a genuinely authentic individual. I, I love his perspective. I read his blog every single morning. Um, so he would be someone that I would say, I think, has probably been one of the more enjoyable guests because he's someone I was like, wow, based on, you know, he's written 21 bestsellers and he's blogged for whatever, 7,000 blogs, out, all this stuff he's doing. The fact that he wants to come on the Just Get Started podcast, it tickles me. So like I, that would, that would be my answer to sidestep a best. I mean, I love all the, all the folks I have on in their own way. So yeah, no, and I'm with you. And I was just trying to pick <laughs> on you too much for that. But, but to the point of you would have never, met such great people without 
again, having the courage to kind of just go down that path and look where yeah. Yeah, you would have never got to talk to him, except for maybe if you went to some conference he spoke at and got your picture and you got, you know, 15 second, Hey, how you doing? You know, absolutely. well, even look, I mean, this is what I love about our, again, it's understanding the world. Could we have done this 30 years ago? Probably not. Right? How many people are on radio 30 years ago? You're, you have to be a certain personality. You're probably in your local hometown, right? You're not. So you're not, if you're not Howard Stern, you know, you're probably not whatever. So, but like, look how you and I met, right? Craig introed us, right? And now you're on the podcast. And as we're recording this, your, your episode will launch in a couple of weeks. And, uh, and now I'm on yours. You know, we've, we now have a mutual connection. I'm sure we'll probably stay friends going forward. We'll probably connect at other times, right? Would have never happened if I don't start the podcast, if you don't have this business and podcast, if, you know, all these things that happen to interweave people, I think is just, it's astounding. Um, yeah. So I don't take that lightly. I, I'm very grateful for that and the opportunities that have, the podcast itself has brought me. Yeah, you know, look, and, the, and you're talking a bit about also the power of technology, right? Like the accessibility to do this stuff today, right? It, I mean, like you said, the, the limited resources, the limited broadband or, or bandwidth or radio station, all that stuff to do some sort of format like this 20 years ago, was, you know, it was like impossible. Mm-hmm. But now with technology and, and, and again, to the excuses that people have on, I can't get started, I can't afford it, I can't do my own thing. Like, that's all stuff that you just have not vetted the truth, you know, so to speak, because like you said, you're doing a high production, you know, high quality production you've done five years worth of episodes, probably not costing you very much, but you've gotten so much reward and get made so much impact out of it. Right. You know, to, to say that you couldn't have got, if you were five years ago, hanging your hat on the, I can't get, I can't do this. I can't afford to do this. I don't have the time to do this. Right. And those are all just lies, man. Like just, they're just the the excuses that we're telling ourselves to not move forward. You're, you're absolutely right. And really the, the excuse was again, who am I to do this? Who am I to do a podcast or talk to people or all that, all this stuff around confidence, really it, the the technology is a good, I mean, that's a good point, right? I mean, we will use that as excuse. It's the same thing with, you know, the fitness example. It's like, I can't make it to the gym. Well, you have a, you have a floor, you can do push-ups, you can do air squats, you know, you could do things if you want. You could go out and walk, right? We make excuses because it's comfortable to make excuses. And I, I know it because I, I still use excuses at this time to this day, right? Yeah. We all do. But it's understanding this is you know, kind of the thing that I realized was we all want to change. That could be whatever, right? Again, I want to do something different than my career. I want to get in better shape. I want to have better relationships, whatever. But the bridge that most of us are unwilling to cross is committing to the change. Because when you commit to the change, what do you have to do? Well, let's say I want to have better relationships. Well, chances are I have to cut out people that aren't good for me. I have to work on myself, right? Maybe I have to get out there in different avenues and meet people in a different way. Those things are hard. What about fitness, right? Okay, I got to start shopping better. I got to maybe show up to the gym or classes. I got to schedule out time for this when maybe I don't want to or I want to watch Netflix, right? Same thing for podcasting. We can go down the line. It's committing to the change. Anything you've done, I've done, anyone listening in has done, it's because we've committed to it. We've put the time and effort into it because it was important enough. It's priority. So that's the big thing. It's like, you want to start something? Going back to the kind of like the advice? Yeah, you want to start something? 
figure out a way to schedule it or don't, but don't, don't beat yourself up. Just say it's not important. Right. Don't say you can't do it. Say it's not important enough to do it. Yeah. That, yeah. When you first got there, I thought the same thing. It's right. Like your why isn't strong enough, right? If you're still letting these excuses keep you from going, your why is not hit that point yet where it's going to push you over that edge, right? You know, you don't want it bad enough. Like to your point, just, just admit it, right? It's, it's, you know, getting up early and going to the gym has not out prioritized that extra sleep that you want or the pain of getting up, right? Even though, even when you don't want to, because that's what we're avoiding, right? We're avoiding that pain. We're avoiding okay. the pain of judgment. We're, avoiding the pain of, like you said, shopping differently or talking to someone differently or holding ourselves accountable, right? It, it, that's just pain, right? It's pain avoidance. We don't want to go through that, you know? And when the pain, I, I wonder if you agree, I think you'll agree with this. When the pain gets worse enough is really when, it's like when you hit rock bottom, like, oh, you hit yeah. rock bottom. Well, yeah, there's no place else to go, but back up. Yeah. And that's when you're like forced to change. But you can change before that. But most of the time, we there has to be pain and discomfort in the change. It's rarely a sunny, bright day. Be like, you know, I'm going to do things different. No, because we love comfort. We love sunshine. We, it's nice having the spread of food in front of us. It's easy, right? I don't have to go kill animals anymore. I can just go to the grocery store. This is easy, right? It's being able to see the pain in front of us and say, okay, I'm going to walk into that because I know it's going to create a better version of myself in the future. Yeah. And, and, you know, the ability to be comfortable today is easier than ever. Right. Like, so, so you have to make this discomfort for yourself, right? Like yeah. you have to, you know, go into it willingly because it's not just going to, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's hard to hit. You got to be really doing some bad stuff today to get into those rock bottom areas. Like you don't, yeah. you know, obviously it happens, right. I'm not discrediting like, all the problems we have in our country alone and our freaking my own town alone for that matter. But the majority of people just live comfortably. Right. And they don't have to, right? Like there's no real pain there to make them want to move it, but it is those transition points, right? Like your kid does something that they've been watching you do. And now you see it impact them and you go, Oh crap. That, yeah. That's because of me. I got to change, right? Like something else has to happen. It, it, so I think today and, 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 and to that point as well, there's, I think a lot of our mental health issues in, anymore is because we're so comfortable. That lack of fulfillment is everywhere's, right? You don't have to do anything, right? You don't, yeah. you don't have to work that hard to get put food on your table. You can go to McDonald's dollar menu. You know, I mean, you, you just you don't have to do much these days to remain in that comfort zone and just be content. You know? yeah. So you got to really push through and, and find those things to challenge yourself. You're absolutely right. And, and I think part of it is the, the thing that I think a lot about is delayed gratification that it's not about the shorts. It's like playing the infinite game, right? I, I may not quote unquote win today. You know, I may not, I might not see the results in the gym today, but the continual effort going forward, it's going to get, get to where I want to go in the future. Right. So I think that's, that's hard. It would, it, trust me, it was, I mean, it was hard. It's still hard for me, but that was one of the hardest things for me is to realize, like, it's even early on, like with the podcast, like you get people all the time, Brian, when are you going to monetize the podcast or how many followers do you have or how many listen? And I got caught up in that a little bit early on of like, Oh, you know, how many listen? And then I just said, I don't care. 
I, I don't care because here's the thing. When I'm on episode 1,000, there's going to be people, there, there's going to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of people that started the po their podcast after me and have already stopped for whatever reason. I'm just going to keep going because I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know what episode 1,000 looks like. I have no idea. But I'll tell you what, I won't get nothing if I don't get there. I won't know what it looks like if I don't get there. I really want to see what it looks like at 1,000 or 2,000 or 5,000, right? So I think that's, that's the motivation for me is the delayed gratification of what could happen. And again, for me, it's a little different because as I mentioned, I feel like I found this meaning and purpose through just get started. That's my North Star that kind of guides me. So it's a long game for me. I'm not trying to win tomorrow. There, it's not a win for me, right? That's why I enjoy keep doing it and showing up. So that's that's the encouragement is like, so a lot of folks say, well, I, I don't have a purpose or meeting. I bet there's things in your life that you can draw a meeting. Maybe it is kids. Maybe it is a, a career that you have. Maybe it is something you want to do that you enjoy doing. You know, how do you find that? Well, go, the biggest thing I always encourage folks is go look back at childhood. That is the one way. What did you, what did you really kind of lack in childhood? What are some of the things, for, again, for me, I was very needy, didn't have a lot of attention, right? I, but I had that emotional, as I mentioned, I was very empathetic and compassionate to people. And I realized this, but when I pulled that back, I said, oh, wow, this is what, this is what fills me up. Hmm. Go, go search for that yourself. And that's what I would encourage people to start there. Cause everyone's like, hey, where, where do I start? I don't know. Start back in childhood. What are some of the things that made you the happiest and most fulfilled, you know, kind of, you know, fired you up, start there. And that might give you a guide, you know, to some meeting or purpose in life. Yeah. Have you ever read uh, Angela Duckworth's uh, Grit? I haven't. Um, I've you know, seen her TED talk. She's come up 20 times in the podcast. <laughs> I haven't read the book yet. It's, it's on the list. So, but here, spoiler alert, right? Like one of the things she points out that the people that like have this grit, right? The ones that take it, take things to a whole nother level, you know, is a combination of passion and perseverance. And you're kind of hitting on that, right? Like if you find something that you're really passionate about, so much so that you're really willing to endure the pain to consume that passion, to embody it, to, to take it to the next level. Like that, that's what grit is, right? It's a combination of that passion. And because of that passion, your willingness to persevere through, right? If you want to be the best golfer in the world, well, you better love golfing a lot. And even when you don't want to in hours, I mean, I don't want to dip into your field on what it takes to be a pro golfer, but you know, but it's, it's making that point, right? Like Tiger Woods spent hours, more, more hours than most people are willing to do to become Tiger Woods, I guess, as an example, you know, and, and, and that's the perseverance because of the love of the game, that craft, right? You've got to love it that much. And to your point, like go find that passion that you're willing to endure, you know, the pains that it's going to take to become the best, the one, or, you know, make something of it, whatever. You hit on a point. I want to, I'm, I'm actually glad we got to this point. Um, you just reminded me of something I think. And, I, and actually when you were on my podcast, we talked about um, if I remember marathon running or ultra marathon and it's, it's the preparation is something that gets lost. You don't show up to the ultra marathon tomorrow morning. It's like, nah, I'm going to show up. seems like something yeah. cool to do. No, you're preparing for months and months in advance. And that's not just running that we talked about lifting that's nutrition sleep, all of these types of things, you know, you're, you're taking out things in your life, whatever, same with talk about tiger. 
the amount of sacrifice he had to make now, partly that what maybe wasn't good for his personal life as you kind of, you know, some of the stuff that he went through, but at the same time, like the, the hours he had to spend in the gym, the hours on the range, the glory of winning, you know, the masters, right. We all see that we forget the, you know, thousands upon thousands of hours where no one saw him where he's hitting in the darkness, right? That preparation to get to that moment is what's often forgotten. That's why I talk a lot about, and I've done this more recently, is about that consistency of keep building. We don't know what's going to happen. Joe Rogan is obviously massive. But to your point, when you were listening back in 2013, he was, he was early on. He was just starting. He was, he was the fear factor guy and comedian, right? That's who he was. He wasn't Joe Rogan as you know him today, but he put the reps in yeah. and he did it his way. Yeah. So he put the time in to improve. Well, how do you improve? Well, you do it by experience. He didn't do it by reading books about podcasting, right? No, he did it by just doing the podcast, right? Go, you ever listened to your first podcast you did? You ever go back and listen to it? <laughs> Oh my God, I, I cringe my first couple episodes I did. I feel bad for those guests. Yeah. You got to go through them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you, you go, yeah, you, you go earn your stripes, so to speak, right? And get in there and just go screw it up. And, and, and you know, and we've green room for this. I, you know, I don't think I said it today, but I often say often, we're going to go screw this up. You know, let's just go do it. Like, yeah. Something happens, something screws up. I'm going to screw up your name. Like, Hey, we're gonna keep rolling. It's it's just it's just what it is, right? We're gonna let this thing let this thing flow, yeah. you know. But that's a part of it, right? Like I guess the other part too, I'd say today that holds people back is man, social media and that 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 comparison syndrome where they're just constantly looking at other people and judging themselves, judging other people, mm-hmm. and and that'll get you stuck too because you're like, oh man, I could never do that, or or man, you know, Brian's already got four years, why would I start a podcast? You know, this guy's already way out there. Like, you know, or, or you see these other things, these highlight reels and whatever. And, and you kind of, you're then reluctant, right? You're afraid to be the fool. You're afraid to get started, you know, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I, I always say to that is we all go through that. We all, you and I both probably, right. You look at it and you're like, Oh wow, this didn't get as much reach as I thought. Or yeah, look, so-and-so has this following. But the way I combat that is, and by the way, again, just to everyone, this is not like just some random like, oh, yeah, I've always thought this. Again, this is just from years of kind of digging down deep because I used to be the comparison bias guy. And again, I still catch myself. But what I realized was their story is entirely different than mine. Yeah. Every opportunity, lucky break, hard work they put in, right, where they live, who they brought, all of that matters. And it, again, it doesn't get talked about. We, t- we, we remember the winner's right history. Right. So we always say, like, oh, this, you know, this person's successful. They did this way. Well, there was a hundred others that didn't. Right. It doesn't mean they failed because they weren't good enough. There could have been other substantial things that happened that we don't realize. Right. Look how many businesses had to close down during COVID. Was that their choice? Not really. Right. So we don't always know the backstory of these things. So I think partly the, the kind of looking at someone else's story on social or, or you know, what they're doing or they're following, we have to remember, it goes back to what we've been talking about. Are you putting in the reps in on what you want to do? Do you want to show up every single day? And by the way, do you feel good about that when you show up? You feel like you're putting your authentic self out there. If you are, 
You can't count because by the way, the scoreboard's not written yet, right? We don't know what the scoreboard is going to read in a year or five years, 10 years. So if you assume you're going to be around, why not just start and then keep moving forward each day and kind of pile it on? I don't know if you saw um, uh, Chris Paul was recently on Rich Roll and I love this, the little clip about, he's talking about like, I think it's like stacking. I think he somebody says stacking chips, I think is how he says it. I might, might be mincing the words there, but he talks about with his child, he talks about like, just keep st or stacking days is how he says it. Excuse me. Mm. I stacking days. You're just putting one day on the other. You have to put the time in. Yeah. It's not going to happen today. Yeah. So yeah, I, we could tell people all day is yeah. Don't look at social media. Don't, don't scroll and doom scroll and all that. We're all going to do it, but just go, what's your, What's your mission? What's your next step? What do you want to do? Well, put your time into that and put your effort into that and don't focus on the stuff that you can't control. Yeah, hundred percent. Because you get caught up, right? Like in, I try to tell people like, you've got to be uber clear to your point, what you want to accomplish for you. And that's got to be numero uno priority number one, because if you don't have that, you're easily distracted by, oh, well, so-and-so's got this. Well, maybe I want that. And so-and-so's got that. Or maybe they're doing this or they went to vacation there. Maybe I want to go to vacation there. Oh, so-and-so got a new truck. Maybe I should get a new truck. Yeah. If you don't have your main priority set clearly on what you're trying to accomplish, you're going to get distracted by that stuff all day long. You're going to be sucked in that comparison trap. So, yeah, you're spot on. You've got to know what you want for you and just make that the main thing, you know, don't worry about everything else. And, and, you know, at that point, maybe even start to go is, is, is hanging out on social media, looking at this stuff. Is it serving my main thing? Yes or no. You know, if it's not. Cool, going priority list. Talk about the priorities, right? Yeah. Well, I only have so much time in the day. Yep. Hey, if you know, instead of spending an hour on Instagram today, maybe I spend 15 minutes, but 45 minutes, I'm going to go put toward that that cool idea I have. Mm -hmm. Oh, that'd be a good time spent. You know, that's the one thing that gets missed too, is like what I missed early on is I, I used to think it had to be a full-time job. I used to think, Oh my God, I got to spend 50, 60 hours on this. No. And like, if I put a couple hours a week, now I'm putting more than a few hours a week. Most weeks I'm probably, I, I would say if I had to average out, I'm probably put five to 10 hours on just get started. Uh, minimum, but that's, I choose to do that. I don't watch much TV anymore, right? On the weekends, but also do this goes back to the, sorry, <laughs> that was a big tangent, but I think again, is important. In our conversation is like, as I mentioned at the beginning, being a single dad, you have to know you can't. So like, if someone's like, oh, well, I'm following so-and-so like if I'm a single dad, I'm following someone that doesn't have kids and is 26 years old. I'm like, man, they're putting out a ton of content and whatever. I can't look at that. Right. That's not even in my zone. So I had to figure out a way of, you know, kind of building these sprints out. And I gave him, I give credit to my brother. He kind of helped me with thinking in this idea of like, you know, building these sprints out of like, I have my son one week on one week off. That's how we do it. Right. Every co-parenting situation is a little bit different. The weeks I have my son, it's full priority, my son. And then I will do some work when I can. Right do some work after he goes to bed, maybe in the morning. And listen, by the way, he's 11 years old. He wants to play Roblox and Minecraft and play video games with his friends. Great. If he's doing that and I let him do it, I might do some work at that time. Right? So I fit that in where I can, but it's not the number one priority, but the weeks I don't have them, it's head down. 
right? It's head down, just get started when I have those hours after work. So that works for me. It may not work for you. It may not work for someone else. So that's the encouragement is look at your schedule. Look at what works for you. And how do you find, even if it's just 30 minutes a day, right? Could you find it? Can you find an hour a week? Because by the way, if you can't find an hour a week to prioritize something that could be important for you, or maybe something you want to do, I, no one can, you only can sort of lead someone down the path. They, they're the ones that have to do it. Yeah. You can't put an hour away. How are you going to quit your job and do it full time? Right. So that's a good test for people. If they're like, God, I really want to do this idea. Okay, we'll start. Put an hour in a week, put two hours a week. See if you do it. Once you put two, put five, then put 10. And then eventually maybe you start getting revenue and you're like, God, maybe I could replace my salary. That's a long ways down the road for most people, right? So that might be a good place to start is think about your schedule and time blocking and prioritization. And that could set up your whole week in a better way than you're setting it up now. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I'd say, you know, that's where a lot of people are just genuinely just screwed up today is that they do no form of time blocking or time management whatsoever. It's day to day, it's reactive, you know, but if, if you would just take that time, and this is like the biggest lesson I teach over and over and over again, which is take 15 minutes at the end of the day and lay out tomorrow, just lay it out. Right. And at the end of the week, sit down and kind of look at what's going on next week and say, Hey, if I could get this one thing done next week, there'd be a good week, right? If you can just start shifting to a little bit of proactive mode, right? Just a little bit of looking ahead, a little bit of getting strategic. Like you said, half an hour throughout the week, that's a decent amount of time, right? You know, you've got, you know, three, four hours that you've devoted to something. You imagine that person that's trying to lose weight, like, yeah, I had to go to the gym, but I only have a half hour every day. Damn, man, <laughs> that's three hours a week. It's way better than zero, you know, just do something. And, and, and But you got, you're right. You got to slow down and kind of look at your reality, which I, which I love you brought that up, right? Take your goal, get uber clear on your goal, and now overlay it on your reality. You know, like some calendars today, if you have multiple calendars, you can kind of like lay them on top of each other. And you kind of, you know, use the analogy, like take your goal and lay it on top of your life. Like, hey, if I want to get here, you know, what has to happen in my schedule for, for this, to, for me to start moving in the right direction, to just to, to yeah. just get started, so to speak, as, as my well, buddy Brian would say. And, and, and remember, we, it's going to be painful. Like one of the things that, so I, this is like a funny, a funny story, but maybe it'll relate to other folks. Like I'm a massive diehard San Francisco 49ers fan, always been since I was like six years old. I know I upstate New York. I had family that lived out in the Bay area and, you know, just kind of yeah. started watching the Niners. And plus they were good in the late eighties. So it was like a six year old, you had Montana rice and whatever. So I've been a diehard fan, but like, that's a, a great example of like uh, football seasons coming up soon. Right. I mean, they're one of the favorites to win the super bowl this year. Right. They're, they're a really good team. I'm going to want to try to watch every single game, but most likely one, I don't have the, even though I have YouTube TV, I don't have the Sunday ticket like it's now on YouTube TV, but I didn't mm. buy the Sunday ticket because I know I would watch every game. So it's partly of like, okay, if they're not on prime time, if they're not on a certain, you know, if they're not on like the four o'clock game or something where they're on like CBS or whatever, I may not get a chance to watch them. And that's okay. Now, maybe I use like the red zone channel. I watch a little bit for an hour here and there, but what I'm getting at is, that is painful for me because I love watching the 49ers, 
but it's also something that actually drives me forward because I'm like, it's one of those like a discipline thing. It's like, wow, if this is like, hey, I drive by the ice cream store, but I don't stop kind of thing. Like, <laughs> like the Niners are on, but I may not watch the full game this week. Maybe I'll watch the second half or whatever it is because I have these other things I want to get done. Now, there are all certain times, though, when I'm like, no, no, I want to watch the game. They're playing uh, some great opponent. I want to watch this game. It's on Sunday night or something. I'm watching the game. Like, that's the big thing that gets lost is like, oh, you got to be full working on your No, have fun, live, enjoy it, right? But there's also times where you have to realize when are things priority and when things are. And I think if we really get um, honest with ourselves on what's going to move the needle forward, it goes back to that delayed gratification. Yeah, I want to watch the Niners, but I would rather watch the Niners in two years when I have all these other things that I push forward and I'm in a better state mentally, physically, whatever, you know? Yeah. 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 You know, you're, you're talking a bit about uh, opportunity costs too, right? Like if you've got a limited amount of time, you, you know, just like anything, just like you budget money, you've got to budget your time. You've got to sit down and go, man, at two hours watching a game on Sunday, man, I, I really don't have it. You know, I, I mean, I've got to get, I've got to get these things done. These are my goals for the week, my goals for the month. You know, if in at the same time, like you said, you don't need to be so prohibitive where you, you just aren't doing anything. You've got to be intentional in both what you're going to get accomplished and how you're going to, you know, have take a break, you know, have some recovery time, you know, refresh. Oh. You, you do need that, man. You, oh. you do need to find that time to give yourself that break. It, it can't be you just can't sustain, you know, going heads down 60, 80 hours a week, nonstop. And, you know, it. it you just, you just can't sustain. Can you get stuff done? Yeah. But you got to think also, do, do you really need to hold yourself? You know, do you really need to be a slave driver you know, to yourself? You know, um, and I would, you know, employees used to do that back in the day. And like, I'd, I'd be there, be a little late leaving out of the office. And I'd see somebody there working like, Hey, Joe, what are you doing? Oh, I'm working on this project, blah, blah. I'm like, what would happen if you stop right now and you picked it up tomorrow morning? Well, nothing. Yeah. Go home, buddy. You don't, you don't need to, you know, like if, if truly there's no impact of like, you know, certainly if there's some big deadline or whatever, there's times where you have to do that, but yeah. it's not all the time, you know, and that's, that's intentionality and time management too. You're absolutely right. And again, this goes back to knowing yourself. Like I said, for me personally, it's kind of a chip on the shoulder, kind of, if that's the best way to say it of like, I'm using the Niners as a funny analogy. It could be a variety of things, but like, I choose to do that because I know for me when I'm like accomplishing this and I know the game's on and I'm not watching that for me, that goes back to the young Brian would have sat and watched nine, 10 hours of football on Sunday. Right. It's really just saying, Hey, that guy doesn't exist anymore. I've mm -hmm. created something different. And so it's just kind of, that's for me though. Like I said, you're going to be different. Everyone listening. So you got to find that for yourself. Yeah. What's yeah. best for you, but it, you got to be willing to discover that. And that's the, that's kind of that big going back to like the change and commit to the change. You have to be willing to sit and realize like, this is how I work going back to, Hey, I need breaks. I can't work for four straight hours. Okay. Well, I'm going to do the Pomodoro method. I'm going to do 25, five, right. Or whatever. Like I'm going to figure out something that works for me and I'm going to go forward with it. doesn't matter what the next great book says. This is what works for me. And that's what we have to be comfortable with, you know, kind of accepting for ourselves. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, you you mentioned on your website like the Compass Framework. What what is that about? Where did that come from? What is it? You know, the Compass Framework was a 
it was, well, I'll give credit to, again, my mentor, Rich, kind of helped me develop this. And it was thinking through, again, going back and connecting the dots back. What are all the different legs, if you will, of how I got started? And not got started with just get started the business, but how I changed. I mean, I'm a complete 180 than I was you know, 10 years ago, let's say, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, you go back, my God, I wouldn't recognize myself. But what are all the things that go into that? So like COMPASS, just as everyone, it's, it's an acronym, right? So it means core obstacles, uh, mental fitness, physical fitness, assets, support systems. And then the S is start, to start whatever. So the goal is really, if, if, you can, if I can help people with those first six, right? If I can start helping with the first six, it's going to allow them to kind of get out of their own way and start. And if you really look at a lot of things in life, like it all, it's all interconnected. Like if, like for instance, if you're having, um, let's use, let's use, uh, we'll use fitness as the example, right? Let's say for whatever reason, you're struggling with your job at work. And well, that might be because you don't have enough energy, right? You're not sleeping well. You're not going to the gym. You're not eating well. We don't connect those dots. We're like, oh, I'm struggling at my job. We don't think about the bad relationship that we have that we're in and we maybe shouldn't be in that relationship, right? We don't think about we have money problems and we're stressed out. That all relates back to the job. And I'm using that as an example. It could be flip-flop, right? Mm -hmm. Why am I having my performance in the gym? Well, I'm stressed out because I'm in a bad relationship or I'm struggling with money or we can flip-flop it, right? So it's understanding all those different things and how that relates to our life as a whole. Because most of the reason we don't start and we don't continue forward with stuff is because we have all these other obstacles and barriers in the way. Once we remove those, again, it's it, this is what I went through is I removed a lot of those and I'm like, okay, what, what, what's in my way? What if, I don't have excuses yeah. anymore. I can't got, the, got those mountains off your back. Yeah, you I want to make excuses, but I can't because I've removed a lot of them. Gosh, okay, well, let's keep doing stuff then. You know, so that that's how I would encourage. Um, and the support, I'll say like the support system one is something that's, you know, we always hear like, you're the average of the five people you hang around with and stuff like think about the greatest relationships in your life and the people that really support you, challenge you, push you forward are there for you. Right. And then think about the people that don't, what, what's the percentage of time we're spending with each of those groups. And if we're spending a lot of times with people that are negative, that are pulling us down, if they're, they're if they're always like. God, you, you really want to start a podcast? Really? Like, like that, you know, you, we all know those people. Is that the influence we want in our life? Well, that's a big drag down of getting started because it makes us question ourselves. Yeah. Right. So anyways, that's kind of the embodiment of the compass framework. Um, it's really part of this coaching program that I have to, to help people get started. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and it's right. Like it's, it's, it is hard to move kind of to play on the analogy that, when you're just carrying all these monkeys on your back and you're just not attending to them, right? Whether it's fitness, bad relationship, you're not giving attention to a key area of life, whatever you, and, and then you call them obstacles there. And once you start to clear those obstacles now, it is so relieving, right? When you've got, you know, when you just solve these issues that are kind of plaguing you and just kind of shovel it off your plate, man, it's, it's a big relief. You can, you can't get moving, you know? A lot of times we've just got that stuff piled up <laughs> and we're just not attending to it whatsoever. You know? Yeah. Or it, or it gives us something to hide behind too. Oh yeah. And I can't, 
I can't going back to the technology thing we were talking about, kind of looping this together, right? I can't start that. I can't write a book. I don't have a publisher. No, really? You can go on Amazon, KDP Publishing, pretty much right. do it for free, right? Okay, maybe you have to buy someone to or pay someone to edit it. Okay, how much can that really cost? You know, but again, it's one of those things like, are you willing to have a little bit of that discomfort and pain and kind of go through that? Or are you, do you want to have the excuses and be okay with, eh? I'm not going to do it. So what it, it, all you're doing is you're, you're just kind of changing. You're, you're, you're shifting yourself is do I want to be on this side of the house or don't want to be on the other side of that? Like, what do I want to do? And that's really it. I mean, it's that simple, right? And do I want to make the excuses or do I actually want to execute? Yeah. Well, you mentioned earlier, you just, you know, the relationship of co-parenting with your son and all that stuff. What's a lot of people are in that boat. Right. So how have you kind of navigated that? You know, I know you mentioned kind of like, hey, I, I'm giving my son my time when when it's his time. Otherwise, I'm heads down. But what have been some like challenges or rewards that you could share to people that are kind of in that boat? Maybe, again, stuck, not moving because they're in a co-parenting environment or something like that. Um, just to, to, to clarify, as it relates to individually kind of doing a project while co-parenting or actually parenting the child. All of the above. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I will say I, I always wanted to be a father. It's the, it's the, it's the most amazing thing in the world. Right. But I don't think I was a great father early on because I think I had a lot of bad influence. And again, I love my dad and, uh, and I'm not trying to be negative, but like, I don't, I didn't have again, I mean, my dad didn't tell me he loved me growing up and I didn't feel like I had a great influence there. And, you know, so I think I did a lot of things I learned, which we all do from our parents that we bring into our parenting style. So it took me, and the reason I'm saying this up front is everyone's like, oh, I can, cause I can sit here and I can be like, oh yeah, I, I do this great as a parent. I think I do some good things, but there's also a lot of bad things I did early on and in a bad way, meaning like, I don't think I, um, I don't think I showed him the, the level that I wanted to early on as like being mm -hmm. a, a top father figure, but I learned from that. And this goes back to that change. I evolved and change. And, and I think we have an amazing relationship, extremely open. Like he, the conversations we have are just, it it's, I love them. I love like how open and direct we are with both. And you know, I can share a lot of things with him. He shares everything with me. Um, but we got to that point because I realized I wanted to invest time in its little things. I, it's, I don't think with parenting, it's the big things. I think it's little stuff. It's like giving him responsibility, like treating him like he's an adult when he's, when he's a child, right? Yeah. Letting him kind of figure it out for himself versus giving him the answer. You know, those type of things, like even one of the things I love is he still, again, he just turned 11. He loves that I read to him at night. Hmm. So every night we read together, he's laying in bed and then I give him a hug and kiss goodnight. And, and, you know, I, and I, I leave and I'm like, that's not going to last for much longer. Right. I mean, I don't know, maybe I get another year out of that. I have no idea, you know, maybe hopefully two. But like, eventually he's going to be like a teenager and he's like, I don't want to deal with you, dad. Um, so, so again, those are things that, and just kind of emotional thinking about it because like, even he just finished fifth grade, like even like walking him to school his last day. Like I remember walking him to school when, when he was first day of kindergarten, 
you know, now he's going into middle school. Like we all, these things are going to change. Life's going to change, but how do I have a best relationship? It's just, again, treat him like he's an individual, not try to parent him. Because I think we do need to be a parent. Like we do actually, it's not like, I don't, I want to, it's not being a best friend, you know, and like letting them do whatever. Hey, stay up all hours of the night. No, there's gotta be some direction, but it's letting him make a lot of those choices versus me telling him, Hey, we're going to bed at this time instead of, Hey, what do we, th what do you think we should do here? Oh, let's put, let's, let's, you know, put a chart up. Like we'll do a chart. Like, okay, here's the morning routine. Now we don't even do the chart because he has it ingrained. He knows mm -hmm. I brush my teeth. I, you know, like he knows that process now because we've done it long enough. Like bedtime, he knows here. We have a certain bedtime routine. We've done it long enough. So he was a part of that though. It wasn't me kind of scolding him be like, no, this is the bedtime. Right. So I, I think that that's kind of the big thing. I don't know if that answers what you're getting at, but like, I just think like parenting is there's no right way to do it. Every kid's different. Every parent's different. But what I would say, I guess my encouragement, especially maybe if it's for younger parents out there is to figure out where you think your parents got it wrong because chances are you picked up a lot of that stuff. Hmm. You're doing it subconsciously that you're not even thinking about. Right. That's a good place to start. Yeah. And you mentioned something that, you know, reflected on kind of how you've, feel about how you came up kind of, you know, this middle child, you know, you didn't know, feel like you fit in. There's intention on both sides of you, but you didn't feel like you were getting the love or, and then, and, and there's an element of how you perceive your self worth in that. Right. Yeah. And here you are with your own son and you're giving him things to do, which now he is contributing value, right? He is now a contributor, right? And I thought it was awesome because it's it's completely to the contrary, right? He mm -hmm. he he understands it's important because he has contribution in your relationship when he's with you, so to speak, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things um, I've tried to do is like, and I didn't know, I guess I was doing, actually, it's funny. I, I had uh, Kevin Kelly on the podcast recently and he mentioned like having, he wished he had more rituals with his kids. And I never thought of this until he, until he mentioned it, but like, I've, I've, I guess put in rituals with my son without even thinking about it. And I'd like to put more, but like, as, as an example, every day after, I mean, obviously if it's raining, we can't, but pretty much every day after school, bring him home from school. We go for a walk around the neighborhood, you know, mm -hmm. 20 minute loop around the neighborhood. That's our thing. Again, early on doing it a year or two ago, like, you know, it was like, ah, oh, come on, we're gonna go for a walk. Oh, I don't want to, you know, whatever. Now it's, it, he like knows, gets out of the car, like we're going for a walk, right? Right. But it's one of those things, it's a chance for us to talk and connect. It's something I never did with my father, or at least I don't remember doing, maybe we did it one or two times. So like, those are things about building those rituals in that I know he will remember and cherish as he gets older. Um, I don't know if I'm doing it right. I mean, I'm partly, I'm making this up as I go along, just like we all do as parents, like you're kind of making it up. But I'm doing it in a way that's authentic to me that I think, hey, this is how I would have liked it. This is when I, hey, when I feel the best is when people give me the chance to make the decision. Let me kind of um, figure out the answer. Okay, let me do that with him. And let's see if that works. And for the most part, it seems like it's worked pretty well. But I'm going to mess up and screw up, I'm sure, with, with things. And I do, you know. With with all this reflection you've had with regard to your childhood, like what's your relationship like with your parents today? 
they're pretty good. Um, you know, it's, but it's, a, it's similar. It's kind of like, like I'll talk. Um, I just saw my mom up in, um, New York a couple of weeks ago. I'll see my dad next month or actually this month. Um, he lives out West, but it's not better or, I mean, I would say it's better probably. It's not worse, but it's not like great. I don't talk to him every day. I talk to him every few weeks. You know, we're not having long two hour conversations. Like I, I have some friends that like, oh yeah, I talk to my parents a couple times a week and we do, I'm like, that's not me, but I love my parents. Right. But, I, but I also realized like this was, so you want to talk about like big change when you talk about like, not just me personally, like, okay, I've, how I've changed the person, but the reflection back of the way I used to talk about my childhood five or 10 years ago was like, I had a horrible upbringing and it had, my parents weren't good. And now I, I oh, certainly I still reflect on those moments of like, I didn't, I didn't have some moments that were good, but the reality is I probably had it better than most. I call it normal. That's all I knew. But like they did the best they could of knowing how they got, this goes back to the patterns, right? And there's a lot of research out there around this, right? The patterns that we get, the trauma that you get from generation to generation, that's all, that's what they got from their parents. Yeah. They just didn't know how to work through it or reflect through it. And they were young parents and they kind of just made it up. I have the opportunity to reflect back and learn with, again, this goes back to the luck, just the people I happen to be around, mentors, all that stuff, maybe believe that I should sit and think about this stuff and kind of give me that therapeutic kind of uh, motion forward. So it's helped me. So I've been able to change, I think, for the better to parent different. And hopefully that'll change for my son as he becomes a parent. So my parents did what they they thought they would do. And, and by the way, like I look at this, this may be a little deeper than you're asking, but, I, but I'll share it. It's like, my dad was a workaholic. He's still a workaholic. I bet he would agree with that. He's like, you know, at the office at probably 6 37 a.m. He's the last one to leave. And but I look at what he's built, like in terms of where he was when he first probably started out. He's always been in the in the auto industry, but I look at where he was and kind of what he's built to, but that's what he enjoys. He actually gets enjoyment out of that, right? So I never realized, I was just like, oh, dad's not home or whatever. And I certainly would have liked him to, but I realized like, I think that's partly what gives him joy and meaning in life and purpose is that he's there at the office. He feels like he's a contributing factor and people look up to him. That's important to him. So I didn't think that 20 years ago, but now at least as, you know, older and, you know, maybe wiser, um, I, I realize that's, that's, you know, my dad's, that's just all he knew, you know? Yeah, no, and I appreciate you sharing and, and digging into that because, it, but it is, and, and one of the key points, and I think you said it, right? Like looking back and kind of where your parents, where you feel your parents screwed up and kind of being intentional about that with your own kids and stuff, you know, and you're talking about that mental blueprint, right? Like we get a blueprint applied to our brains and how things are like, you, and you've talked about it a few times, right? Like what coming up in your small town, what, what life looked like, what that meant. That, that's a mental blueprint, right? That's getting ingrained in you, you know, from the time you're living. And then you, when you get pulled out of that environment and you kind of get exposed to other blueprints, if you will, and you go, Oh, wow. So I don't have to do this. I don't have to just get a job and fill my 401k up. I can go work for my, right. Like, and, and similar with parents. And so I, yeah, I, I got a lot of respect for that coming to that level of awareness where you just go, man, well, and, and you're right. Like trauma, you know, and that whole mental blueprint thing and how we're raised, like it, that's just a gift that keeps on giving. Like somebody's got to, you know, 
cut the string on that, right? And then decide to go, okay, we're not going to do this. This is, we're going to be different. Um, or else it will, it will keep moving on yeah. down the line. So, well, and I think one other point is, and again, folks that are divorced out there is I never wanted to be divorced. I didn't get married to get divorced. I came from a family that where there was a lot of divorces. Now that's saying that influenced one way or another. We, we weren't compatible in the long run. It wasn't probably a, just didn't work. It wasn't going to work out. Right. So I think we're both happier that we're not together with one another. But like, I look at that, like, I didn't want to be a single dad. I didn't want my son to go through divorce, but like he's, he's been like a champ through it. Right. But kids are resilient and realizing that kids are resilient is okay. It's like they going back to that pain and discomfort. Like we have to go through that. Right. Think of a lot of, again, we could probably sit here and name hundreds of people that we know. We both have trauma in our lives, right? And things we went through. We can name, no one had it just everything on a silver platter perfect. And they became like the happiest, most fulfilled people in the world. Maybe there's some of those people, but it's a lot of people that came from hardship, recognize and realize that, and they built a better life for themselves. They use yeah. that as the catalyst for their change. So I think that's, we can look at, you know, uh, divorce, or we can look at all these, these things that happen in our life, losing jobs, whatever it is. We always can take one or two approaches. We can take the negative pessimist approach, or we can take the, the optimi you know, uh, the, uh, optimism, the positive approach. It just, it's a choice, right? I choose to take the positive approach because I feel like that's the only way to live life because there's been a lot of great opportunities that I've come on my, out of my divorce, out of losing jobs, all of that type of stuff. Right. So I can't always look at it. Those are bad things because those actually created great opportunities for me. So. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always be learning, man. <laughs> always be learning. Like, like, what can I learn from this? Where, where, where did I screw up or what did I learn about myself, about others, whatever. So, yeah. and I appreciate it. So you've done so much, you've got this killer podcast, five years, got a bunch of books. What, what are kind of your current goals and aspirations that you're working on now? And keep, just keep grinding. Um, I still, obviously the podcast moving forward, I'm starting a, uh, this goes back to, again, talk about starting, like one of the cool things I've been, I tempted around like a newsletter in the past. And I know there's a lot of newsletters out there, but for me, it's a longer form content than just my blog. And it's a different than the audio of the podcast. So I'm starting this newsletter, actually, the, the scheduled date is July 30th. I'll have it, um, but it's called the Sunday starter. It's going to come out every Sunday morning. And it's just going to be like, you know, tools and techniques and stuff to help people get started. So anyways, that's kind of a cool project. But again, I have the, the books and the blogging and all that stuff. Um, I don't, I, th this is the cool thing. Like those are projects that I have now. And as those continue on, I may stop. Like I'll, I'll, I'll give you this because this is really important. I think to mention, um, if we talked a month ago, right? I would have probably talked about my sales courses. And I would have talked about, um, you know, helping startup founders and solopreneurs kind of build their sales and, and their coaching. But I made a really tough decision about a week and a half ago. It's funny we're recording this now because I think this is actually good. This is how things happen. And I just decided to cut that all together hmm. because for two reasons. One, I said, one, I love sales. I've been successful in sales. I think I do it in a different way and I could really help folks. So that was like, man, this is like an opportunity to build revenue, right? And, and grow business that way. But at the same time, I said, but it's what it's doing. It's sucking away from just get started podcasts, from the blog, from these other things. 
And, but at the same time, I think it's also confusing people, right? Yes, I'm helping people get started in sales, but it was, it was confusing to me as I was kind of putting content and stuff. So I said, this has to be confusing the other. So I said, you know, it's kind of like that sunk cost fallacy. We feel like we have to keep moving forward with stuff just because we've always done it. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? What in my heart of hearts do I want to do? Like just get started. That mission of helping people get started. And that's really like growing their idea, right? Getting in the best shape of their life, those type of things. Maybe it is in sales in a coaching way, but not in like a sales content videos, all of that. I'm not prioritizing that. I may put a few videos out, but I'm not prioritizing that. Um, I cut it. So there's no more like sales coaching or anything right at this time because so I think that's important to mention because we want to do so much, but there's only so much time and we have to make tough decisions uh, going forward. So, yeah, a hundred percent. And that's sometimes where you just got to get, we've said it, get your priorities in order, right? Like I want to do this and then I want to do that, right? But you can't do this and that at the same time and be effective, right? You know, uh, it'll drive you crazy. We talked about earlier, like getting out of bed, like having that why, if you got like two competing whys, like it sucks, man. You get up and you're like, which direction am I going? And then you, you you go right and you feel like some sort of guilt because you didn't put time on left. And, you know, and now you've got these compete. And it's just, it drives you crazy. And it's okay not to do everything all at one time, man. Just yeah. get that get that list down and kind of, you know, it, you can knock them down one at a time. It doesn't need to be, you know, <laughs> spend 15 minutes a day on 20 different major projects. Like you're, right. you're going to go bananas, man. And it doesn't mean I can't do it in a year or two. It's like correct. Right yeah. now, though, it's not the right decision. Yep. And so I think that's an important, uh, again, we have to, unfortunately we have to make tough decisions. <laughs> and that was just one I had to make recently. Yeah, man. No, I love it. Man. I love the conversation. How can people find you online? Yeah, I think the best way, my website, brianondraco.com. So B R I A N. O-N-D-R-A-K-O.com. Um, I spend time in the socials at Brian Andreco, probably on Twitter the most. I just enjoy just probably because it's writing and short form content and stuff. Um, so yeah, go to the website. Like I said, the, the blogs up there, you can subscribe to the newsletter. Eventually you'll be able to subscribe to the new one. Um, listen to the podcast, uh, check out Dale Nye's interview that's coming up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, I think you'll be, you know, I don't know. It'll probably be like episode 352 or three or something like that. So uh, do you drop weekly? I drop, I drop weekly. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do it just on the fly here. I'm going to look. Oh, you're set uh, the the 11th next week. All right. I have you next week. I should have prepped for that. 711. So everyone go check out that episode with Dale. Um, Episode 351. There you go. Sweet. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, no, Brian, it's been an honor to have you on. I'm great. Glad Greg got us uh, hooked up and I uh, appreciate you telling your story and being pretty candid. And I know a lot of people go through these same things and, you know, this, this is definitely going to help people who are kind of stuck in those same spots and hopefully uh, get them moving. So I uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks. So. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the conversation. So thank you. Likewise. Thanks, Brian. Talk soon. See ya.